Joe presents Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby, together with Guinness. Hello, and you're very welcome to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby, where my brain is about to explode with the amount of rugby I've watched over the weekend. But nevertheless, we are here on Joe together with Guinness to talk about another enthralling weekend of Champions Cup rugby. We look ahead to the 2019 Guinness Six Nations. Uh, We have Munster and All Blacks legend Doug Howlett joining us on the phone for a chat. We'll also announce our Guinness Made of More player of the weekend and answer your Twitter questions. How are you, Trimby? Oh, Barry. Just brilliant. I can see it. It's on top of the world. It's oozing out of you. Yeah, I had a, had a little uh, city break with my wife at the weekend. We were over in London. Oh. We went to see Hamilton, the musical. And What's that we, about? Uh, that a big dog or something, no? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually going to go into a little bit more detail about how uncultured I was, not knowing the history, but like no, slightly... It, yeah, better than me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alexander Hamilton, he was... An aide to George Washington, uh, Finding Fathers. And anyway, they made... Have you not heard about this? No. No, no. They made this musical and it's all like hip-hop rap. They rap the whole way through the his, like the whole story. Cool. Yeah, it's like Rapping two hours. Founding Fathers. Like yeah. George Washington. I'm really rapping. surprised you haven't heard of this show. It's been... It's really difficult to get this. tickets. And really... So anyway, we booked it ages ago. But <clears> um, it was amazing. Went for a, an amazing meal afterwards. Just um, stayed in a nice place. Just coffees, chilled out. Got away from the kids for the weekend. And it was brilliant so zero rugby so man <laughs> i was exclusively i was a, a, a highlights on on the road on the way down the road oh, well, yeah. i've watched enough for am i turning into that rugby nerd now mm-hmm. that just watches rugby all the time mm-hmm. yeah god <laughs> i feel like less uncool every after every weekend of this less uncool yeah more and more uncool the double negative Jesus. made you more cool. Yeah, yeah, but it's and I was getting pulled for it on Saturday night. It was that last night. I was at the monster match and all uh-huh. the we had like an ex players um, reunion, uh-huh. and they all just kept slagging me for being. Oh no! Yeah, they used to admire me for how much I had moved away from it, and now I'm yeah. back in. I'm just like, did you see this guy in his class? And did you see this? Yeah. Match? And they were all like, what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah, but who who was slagging <clears> you? Uh, Mossy Lawler. Uh, current Connacht and Irish schools coach was abusing me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was like, he wanted me to start calling out more people that I hate on the show as opposed to yeah. <laughs> talking yeah. rugby. Yeah. He was like, tell, tell everyone who you hate. And I was like, I don't hate anyone, man. He's like, I know you hate someone. <laughs> He's obviously pretty into his rugby if he's coaching Irish schools. Uh, kind of. Yeah, I suppose he is, yeah. yeah. He's into the gear more. He loves getting free gear. Right, yeah. I think that's, that's mainly what he did. But we actually had a really funny thing, man. They had like a... Uh, in the Munster West End of Thomond Park, they have this huge Munster Supporters Club uh, big room. It's kind of a bar with, they fit about a thousand people in there. So before a game, they have a band starting to set up and they have a couple of bars in there and it's, it's jammed. But they decided to invite us to to have our pre-match drinks and have a bit of a reunion there, ex-players and stuff. So yeah. they said they'd cordon off a little part of the place for us which was kind of weird because we don't really need that but they said they would anyway so we got there and I swear there was a thousand people crowned into this room and they said they'd get us an area for us so they just picked this massive area in front of the bar like the size of a of a television room let's say and they put a red rope around it and they moved all these people out of there and just stuck two tables in the middle of it and everyone because everyone had to be moved out of it was kind of going What's going on in here? Who's, who is coming into this? Oh, it must be royalty. Bull rings. Yeah. yeah. Is it Meghan and Harry? Oh, my God. It was the worst thing. So I looked at this and I said, there's no way I'm going into that thing. No like, way. Everyone was Shocking kind of le- leaning in, looking like who's... It was like like there was going to be some sort of a cockfight or something. In there. Oh, no. So Dennis Hurley, the poor soul, had to go in because he had organised it. He had to yeah. go in on his own. Because yeah, he organised the Ulster one the week before. Did he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And just stood there with a pint in his hand and we all just laughed at him. Uh, <laughs> left him there alone <laughs> until they made it small enough so it was just a little circle but oh, that's tough. it was quality and yeah we had a great great night um, watching Monster scraping by uh, <coughs> in a dirty one basically in Thorn Park filthy yeah I'll give you the gist yeah. it was 9-7 it was the most Thorman Park game I've ever seen in my so life so I believe I saw bits of it it looked it looked just 
kind of dogged and just getting the dog, the dog dog. Getting the dogs in. <laughs> <laughs> we ate the dog at the end. Uh, yeah, it was scrappy. Exeter played very well, to be fair to them. Uh, they were up for the challenge. Um, Monster didn't really manage the game very well. I think they'll, they'll uh, I heard Jerry Flannery kind of saying that, which is a fair comment. Uh, Joey Carberry, still brilliant game with the boot. I think he's 20 out of 20 kicks, uh, scored some unbelievable penalties to, to get the win. But himself and Murray were a little bit off. I think Murray got <coughs> a knock to his neck or shoulder, the one that was giving him a bit of trouble, that yeah. mysterious one. So early on, so he was kind of struggling. Not a, not a concern for Six Nations? <coughs> no, he finished. Well, he didn't finish. He played he played about 60 minutes, but I was speaking to him afterwards and he said he was fine. Yeah. He was looking forward to getting away for a few days, obviously. Um Big shout out to Billy Holland who came on. He's he got his two hundred and second cap. So we like to, you know, acknowledge different things, not the usual. Like everyone else was kinda of going two hundred caps, oh great. We're like, nah. That's <laughs> two hundred and two for us, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the special one for us. Um but he came on, had two huge turn turnovers, turnover line out, turned over, uh gave a little a big hit basically on um, one of their back rows and turned over the ball there. He also had two massive contributions last weekend over in uh, Gloucester where he came on and, and set up two tries, basically. Yeah. <coughs> Big shout-out to him. Peter Manny got through 80 minutes of pretty uh, intense work. Ty Byrne picked up another man in the match. Yeah, <coughs> He was unreal. Yeah, um, Just getting through loads of work, got a couple of turnovers and came off injured himself as well, but hopefully he'll be all right. Yeah, Ty Byrne and Ian Henderson, <coughs> both man of the match performances. And arguably, it, well, certainly in, in the autumn anyway, they were third and four, fourth choice second rows. How do you leave them out? Yeah, I know. You have to find a way <laughs> to yeah. get them involved. But then when you look at the guys that are ahead of them, anyway, I'm going off on a tangent here. but Yeah, I think we'll get there probably later <coughs> on when we talk with the Six Nations squad. But you're right, like it's brilliant headaches uh, for the for Joe Schmidt. Um, CJ Stander had an unbelievable game again. I think he had 25 tackles in the game. Munster had 198 tackles in the game, um, which is pretty huge. I think an average is about 150 in uh, in a, a given game. That would be a high amount of tackles. So 198 just shows how much ball Exeter had. Um, but Munster managed them very well. I think there was only one mall where they kind of struggled and Exeter yeah. got a try off. But yeah, it was a, it was a good battle. I'd say they were very, very sore after it. But sure, look, at that's what it's about, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Being sore after. Yeah. yeah. That's more or less it. Good enough for them. Yeah. Sure don't they get paid well. <laughs> um, anything uh, Anything uh, you'd like to add there? <clears throat> um, from your watching of Monster over the weekend? No, I really only saw, I saw the highlights and I saw live the last kind of 10, 15 minutes and it just looked like Exeter kind of weren't really going anywhere. Mm. They were trying to keep the ball alive, trying to play as much rugby as possible, but they were obviously they weren't just chasing a win, they were chasing <coughs> beating them by more than seven points. So it just looked like Monster were just getting up and just hitting them mm. over and over and yeah, I could just pretty a dogged performance and just uh got it over the line. Yeah, we'll talk a bit more about that when Dougie joins us on the phone. And we'll also talk about uh their game against Edinburgh in part three uh, in the quarter final. We'll discuss how maybe they should they should uh, approach that game. Uh, were you at the Ulster game? Uh, I wasn't. Night? I wasn't because I was. Um, it was away. Sure, sorry. I was, of I course, was with, I was with my wife. Um, um, and it was what a win, though! Did you see it? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I saw again. I saw bits of it. Um, it probably lo- <laughs> in the end, arguably, um, Ulster probably would have been better off had they not won the game. <clears throat> no, obviously, got it Saracens, Rassing, and and Leinster. Kind of that's <clears> that was the pecking order. One, two, three in the end and if Ulster had lost the game if they got a losing bonus point or maybe even if they got nothing they might have gone to Saracens yeah Saracens isn't that right Pat they would never go to Rasson in the end so um, yeah just because Toulouse didn't get the the bonus point at home to Bath Um, so it was important from an Ulster point of view that they got the win because their season's been quite up and down generally been up in Europe and down for Interpros and uh, you, the, you know the league where they're sitting at the minute they've got Treviso this weekend and that's a massive game because Treviso I think are sitting like um, third in the league or something second like a few points ahead of them anyway but yeah. they're all congested at this stage and uh, it's a, that's a massive game arguably as big a game as the Leicester game mm. um, so 
uh, from an Arsenal point of view, it was good that they more than just winning the game for European reasons, but just to keep the momentum going and keep on track. Um, because they they just they look like a confident side at the minute. Like, I mean, whenever you're down 13-0 away from home in Welford Road, it takes a confident side to kind of dig in and get back into the game and win the game. So uh, hopefully they can keep that momentum going. But yeah, I think they showed a decent bit of um, belief. John Cooney came off the bench, made a decent impact. His impact coincided um, with, I think, just a lot more accuracy in Ulster's attack, mm. a lot more accuracy in their breakdown. And then he was getting really good good ball and they played and they kind of got their tails up a bit. Dave Shanahan did really well. There's a little bit of chat about John Cooney coming on and changing the game. I'm not sure that was the case. I think he, he arrived and certainly did really <coughs> well. But that coincided with um, the breakdown just being a lot cleaner, the ball being crisper, mm. maybe Leicester starting to tire a little bit. He probably do, does <coughs> give you a lot of confidence, though, when you're a player and you're... You're seeing that you, you, they weren't far off at that point with something clicking, but then you, you see someone like Cooney coming onto the pitch and you're like, yes, yeah, you know, this is where it'll kick on for us. And, and again, even in the run-up to the game, um, the surprise inclusion of, of Henderson, mm. that's a yes moment. Unbelievable. Because he's a guy, he's, I think, Pat, you might correct me if I'm wrong here, he was certainly man of match in one of the Scarlet's back-to-back games. He might have been man of match in both of them. The home game, yeah, he was definitely man of the match in the home game. And uh, oh, it was Will Addison, sorry, that's that's wrong. Will Addison was man of the match over there, but he was brilliant over there anyway. Mm. Mm. So, man of the match in two of the last three European games, yeah, and t- 12 tackles, 12 <coughs> carries, full 80 minutes when he's been out for, for what a month yeah, or so. Straight back into it, he's had yeah. a class season, yeah. He's uh, also Rugby Supporters Club put up a clip of him, some of his kind of highlights over, over the last few seasons. And some of his carries are just hilarious. Really? And there's lads just dropping off him. And he's got everything. He's got every wee trick. You know, he's got a bit of a sidestep. Because mm. he looks, he doesn't look like he's going to be an agile. He's got so much weight from the waist down in his legs. Massive, big, thick hamstrings and arms. <laughs> like, it's yeah. enormous. But he's really quick and agile. He's got a bit of a sidestep. He's got a bit of a fend, a hit, a spin. <clears throat> there was one clip against... Um, Saracens a few years ago and it was just hilarious how he was still going towards the Saracens try line and it reminded me me and Handy were having this conversation a while back and it was a similar clip uh, I think it was an Italian second row I might have been Furo is that the name of the Italian second row Fuzero maybe Fuz- uh, no that's the he's the back anyway I can't remember the guy with the long hair um, this Italian lock was trying to tackle Handy and uh, it was just one of those ones where Handy fans him but then kind of holds on to him, right? And this guy's... Um, <laughs> this <laughs> took guy, him with him. Took him with him. <laughs> Went on for ages. I'd say five seconds later, he's still like holding on. And, Go away. and there's this moment where the guy's almost like pleading with him. Please, this is getting so embarrassing. Can you please just go down? <laughs> <laughs> you know? But like, that's like when Nelson Muntz was using Bart <laughs> as yeah. his shield in yes. American football, just bouncing yeah. off all the other players. So, like, whenever you get someone like Handy back in your team, you're right. There's just a lift. There's a confidence. You know, we know we're gonna start. We're gonna get a few gain lines here. A few boys are gonna get smashed. We're gonna get a few turnovers, and yeah. uh, again, just brings everybody together again, and just reminds them that when it gets to Europe, that Ulster can really compete. Mm. Compete well. Yeah, I mean, if they get all those players in the field for sure they're you know going into that Leinster match and the quarter final it is going to be important <coughs> that they have the likes of Cooney and Hendy and all the big players uh, on the pitch for them but how do you feel they'll how far do you think they can go this Ulster team obviously Leinster way is really really difficult um, uh, potential repeat of 1999 and it was a different competition back then yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> all the teams weren't in it. But, yeah, uh, having the team, the '99 team at the match last weekend. Yeah, was to give an Ulster a little bit of like, yeah, we can, we can do this again. Yeah, I think so. I think so. There's, there's a little bit of a, an excitement development <clears throat> when you look at Ulster. Their only um, away knockout game that they've won. Um, so they won. I'm trying to. Think, I'm thinking of 2012. They beat Munster in the quarterfinals again. I know they beat Edinburgh. Sorry, the following week in Dublin, but. Um, you know, an Interpro just makes it slightly more of a lottery. Anybody, like most anybody you speak to, would say, "Listen, Leinster would be the favourites." Of course, they would. They're they're outstanding, but you just never know. If Ulster turn up and perform, um, I assume it's going to be at the Viva. I don't know. Mm. Um, again, it just makes it more of a one-off uh, and slightly more of a lottery. Um, 
obviously if you're going to Saracens, it's still really tough. If you're going to Racing, it's tough. And then you've got the baggage of knowing that you've gone there earlier in the season and got beat badly. So it's it any of those is going to be tough. Arguably, Munster probably got the the easiest away mm. draw, but sure. still Edinburgh are playing really good rugby as well. So it's uh, it's quite exciting. It's quite fun, isn't it? Having them um, three well uh. three provinces in the in the quarterfinals and. Yeah. Uh, it's nice to see where that's going to go. <clears throat> and if if Ulster were to get there again and repeat the nineteen ninety nine uh, win, um, I I just got me thinking about yeah the what you said last week about a throwback to those kind of yeah. players, and I want to see if you've done any homework. I've done a bit of homework, yeah. <clears throat> I've done a little bit of homework, but I, I thought um, some of the homework I did um, led to. Um, a few kind of unremarkable findings, right? <laughs> right. Okay. So I thought um, I thought it might make it a little bit uh, more fun. So have you ever played uh, Balderdash? No. Balderdash is a board game where um, you basically have to lie and try and convince someone that what you're saying is the truth. Okay. Great. So, so I'm going to give you. I, I thought I would look at two players. Yeah. Simon Mason. Yeah. Obviously, Ulster stalwart. <laughs> Do you know Simon Mason? <laughs> he was the he was the, he was the fullback and the goal kicker. In oh 99. yes, sorry, I do. And he literally did, never missed. Yeah, huge boot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A good few times for Ireland, right? <coughs> yeah, he played yeah. for Ireland a few times. I think he went on to play for Stad. Then he played in Italy as well, actually. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, our thing is huge boot. Yeah. What's he doing now? Yeah. So um, I thought I would give you a few options of what he's doing now, and you can mm-hmm. decipher what what the true one is. Mm-hmm. So Simon Mason. Did he? (laughs) (laughs) Great. Did he a set up a Botox clinic in Abu Dhabi, where he now lives with his pet alpaca Duncan, (laughs) named after his favourite character Duncan the Blind Man from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? (laughs) (laughs) Or is he b a vegan milkman living with a religious community in a private compound in the Arch Peninsula? Or does he see, live near Liverpool and work as a teacher in a boarding school? (laughs) Can we be again? And live with his wife and two children. (laughs) No way, that's not believable. Who would do that? Can we be again? B is uh, Simon Mason is a vegan milkman living with a religious community in a private (laughs) compound in the Ardis Peninsula. Okay, first of all, that Duncan character, he's no one's favourite out of Prince of Thieves. Like, I know. He's a pain in the ass, if anything. Well, that's, I mean, you can't make this stuff up. So is, is that's that, true. That must be true then. Is Alpacas, are they found in Dubai? Is it Abu Dhabi or Dubai he lives in? Abu Dhabi. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bit of doubt. There's a bit of doubt. So just only for that hint of doubt, I would have probably gone with A, but only uh-huh. for that hint of doubt, I think I'm going to go with... <laughs> he is a vegan milkman. No, believe it or not, he uh, he lives a very boring life uh, ah. in uh, Liverpool as a teacher. Okay, with his wife and two daughters. Wait, okay, but I, I did. Duncan? I, um, no, no. The, I, there was daughters called Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's great. Uh, I did discover though that um, I I didn't verify this. I heard this, so I don't know if it's completely true. I, I heard it was true anyway. Mm. That Dan McFarlane when he played at Richmond. Um, Simon Mason was his landlord. No way. So Dan McFarland, current uh, Ulster coach. So who, who told you that? Um, when I was um, doing research, or they sent through um, notes for the Ulster Racing game last weekend, and this was one of the notes, one of the like. Right. So I, it's, I'm sure it's correct. BT sent it through. So right. That's random of them to send through as well. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. So um, we're, we're not done. Okay, go on. Um, I decided we mentioned Simon Gagan mm. uh, last week as well. And he's obviously not, <clears throat> he wasn't involved in the 99, but he's a guy I think both of us admire. And Absolutely. any winger doing well, they, you, you, someone would ask them, oh who, oh, who do you remember when you were a youngster? Loads of people say Simon Gagan. Gagan. Everybody wants to Absolutely. be Simon Gagan. I certainly mentioned him. I've yeah. heard Tommy talk about him. Anyway, I'm Simon Gagan. Tommy can be like um, Keith Crossan or um, Trevor England. One of those guys. <laughs> Trevor England was the p- kind of predecessor. Listen, to these guys are legends. Simon Gagan, yeah, yeah, but they're not Simon Gagan. Yeah, but yeah, okay, okay. And they're not the same era either. Actually, yeah. it's comp- not too far off though, right? Yeah, Crossan and Ring are in Ringland. Yeah, anyway. yeah, they'd be I don't know ten years before Gagan. A few years, yeah. maybe not ten. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, Simon Gagan. Yeah. <clears throat> Is he a 
I know the answer to this. Oh, whoa, 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 well, let me just hold okay. on. <laughs> listen, I'm, I'm, listen okay. you need to answer the first one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Simon Gagan. Is he A, a cross-dressing dairy farmer living in a studio apartment in D4? <laughs> or is he B, an entrepreneur who started a Bitcoin-funded investment bank located on Rathlin Island for tax purposes? <laughs> The enterprise is extremely unsuccessful due to Rathlin Island not actually having any tax incentives, <laughs> limited electricity, and zero footfall. <laughs> Simon moonlights as a hairdresser two nights a week to make ends meet. Simon is single and passes the time by watching and re-watching his try against England in 94. <laughs> Just sitting in the dark, smoking a lonely cigarette. No lights because there's no electricity in Rathlin. <laughs> oh, is he still on Rathlin? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought that was like option all of D. That, all, all of that is in Rathlin. Yeah. Wow. Oh, sorry. Or C. Or C. Does he work for Rosalind King in London and specialise in real estate finance? Nah, nah. Fuck that. It's too far-fetched, isn't it? B all the way, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the way I want to see him. Yeah. And he's still like just out practising. <laughs> he, he did a sore toe or something, did he? Yeah, yeah. He done, yeah, he's done his yeah. toe. So he can't. You know, he he's to run on his bare feet or something like that, but he's on an island, so it's yeah. grand. He just has a coconut. Wherever you want. And he's just that's amazing. It's not that kind of island, Rathlin. Is it not? <laughs> no. Where where is Rathlin? Rathlin's up north. It's ah. just off the coast of Bally Castle. <laughs> <and> off, <laughs> I thought a it was some tropical <laughs> island. <laughs> coconut. Just a potato. A rotten potato. Yeah. Well, so, so that's Simon Gagan. Still one of those really old brown and white balls that they used to play. Yes, brown yeah. and black balls. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, we're going to have to move on. That is a brilliant feature. Can we do that every week? It uh, balls in your court for next week, okay, yeah. Okay, perfect. I think you'll have a lot of I fun. I don't know what year I'll take. Maybe I'll go, I might go a bit earlier again, like from 1999. I'm like old, old school. Was rugby played back then? Yeah, back like yeah. mid-80s when we won the Triple Crown a few times. That'd oh, be yeah. my era. Yeah. Does that mean I've got to watch loads of rugby this weekend no. if you're taking that? Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <It's> all right. <laughs> Nah, you don't, you don't, you don't. Uh, we'll move on quickly to Leinster v Wasps today. Uh, <clears throat> that only happened a few hours ago, so we're fresh uh, from watching it briefly. Uh, Sean O'Brien back at number eight for uh, Jack Conan, who unfortunately missed out. Uh, Sean Cronin getting another two two tries. He's yeah. now the top try scorer, I yeah. think, alongside Stockdale in the competition. Um, Gibson Park in another huge game uh, as well for Leinster. 37-19 over Wasps. Henshaw back as well. Yeah, great to see Henshaw back. Yeah, um, yeah. just watched saw some of the tries and look, it, it was a foregone conclusion from the start. They were going to win with a bonus point. But again, just the variety in their play, I think, was uh, very impressive. Were they slightly more vulnerable in defence than, than we've been kind of getting used to? <clears throat> I thought they just looked a little bit leaky. Or maybe, maybe it's just getting to the end of the pool stage. They'd done their job. They got their bonus point. Yeah. And it was irrelevant, really. Yeah, they were caught out wide a couple of times. Um, but, yeah, look. Yeah, it's, I agree, actually. It was, <laughs> it was done. It was yeah. done. They're, they're just kind of with that attitude at the moment that they're, they are conceding tries, but it's like, we'll just outscore you every yeah. time. Yeah. You won't be able to live with us. Um, uh, Sean, um, Sean O'Brien, <clears throat> has he d like done enough to get, get in the mix with Ireland? Um. I thought he played very well. He was in number eight, so obviously it's not his uh, preferred position, but he just looked like he was back to back to normal. Really? Yeah. Um, some big carries, um, just work rate, working through, you know, ridiculous uh, amount of work. So who knows? Joe he'll, loves him. He'll probably start again next weekend. Yeah. Um, yeah, Joe is a big fan of his, but again, that back row and the back five in general for Ireland is going to be so competitive. Yeah. And Fleer had another big game <coughs> as well. Peter Manny's so playing so well for Munster and yeah. CJ as well. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting decisions to make. Yeah, and, we, and we've already decided that Handy and uh, Tag Tag Burn is in there as well. We're so. going to play in the back row. So there's only space for one uh, back row. Yeah, lucky lads. <laughs> yeah. Decisions have been made here. Yeah. But I will come to their uh, quarterfinal uh, game against Ulster again later on. But first of all, we're going to be joined by Doug Howlett on the phone for a quick chat. Dougie, um, let's uh, kind of rewind a few years to, to your time at Munster and um, what was it about the place? Obviously, you were an established, successful um, all-black international and uh, tri-score machine. A hero of mine, Dougie, by the way, as well. So what was it about Munster that um, 
kind of what was the draw? Because Munster's a place where guys come from overseas and they've got a rep Munster's got a reputation of of people settling in really well and becoming almost like Munster men. What is it about the place that that drew you and and, and why are you still there? I tell you what, Trimbo, for a uh, for a hero of yours, uh, got a funny way of showing it, pal. You tried to take my head off a, a good few times, uh, <laughs> both in test matches and in interprovincial. So, listen, I'll, I'll take that as a sign of affection. But boy, uh, I, I enjoyed my battles with you, and uh, look, it's, uh, it's great to be talking to you on the other side now. So, um, to, to your question, um, you know, look, Munster for me um, was a club similar to what I. You know, played for in New Zealand. The All Blacks, I guess, uh, you know, a group of players that, from my point of view, were were playing for the right reasons. You know, they were playing for each other. They were playing for their families, for the community, and uh, you know, it was a group of uh, close group, uh, close group of friends. You know, and and I must say, I was lucky to come into that 2007, eight, nine sort of time when we had you know characters like you know Paul and Paul Hayes and. Quinny and Wally and Bears and Rodge and Strings and, you know, you go through the entire team and, uh, you know, every one of those guys you know, were playing, you know, for, for the right reasons, for, for Munster, for each other. And, uh, you know, it just, just resonated with me and, you know, it was a place that I wanted to give my all to. So, um, look, it was, it was, uh, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was for me, it was like being an 18-year-old kid again, you know, coming into an environment like that where, you know, nothing was given. You, you sort of had to earn it. Whatever I'd done before, all black, Christ, here or there, I remember coming up to my first training session and, uh, you know, 27, geez, I hope we haven't got another pig in the bag here, you know. <laughs> Straight away, you know. Straight away, I remember <laughs> that. Well. You had to prove yourself, you know, the first training session. Look, it was a most enjoyable experience. Uh, well, I do want to talk about your current role uh, in Munster Rugby, but before I do that, I'd like if you could take us back to what rugby was like for you in school. I know you were a champion athlete at school, but um, was, was rugby the main interest for you or, or was there, there other things outside of that? Yeah, I guess like all kids growing up, I, I had exposure to, to all sports. Um, and, and it quickly, you know, narrowed down to you know a winter sport and a summer sport for me, and and they were rugby and track and field in, in the summer, so they they certainly complemented each other, um, and uh, you know I, I had some a little bit a reasonable success early, you know, which which sort of pushed me in that direction, um, so it kind of got serious around secondary school, you know, which is thirteen fourteen. Uh, there, there's, a, there's an all-black under-16 jersey you can get. There's an all-black uh, uh, under-16 team that's selected. So, you know, when I was uh, just turned 15 and I was selected for that, that team and, um, you know, you're, you're handed an all-black jersey, you know, an under-16 all-black jersey. And I think from that moment, it's, uh, you know, there's a pathway that, uh, that you can follow. So um, that, that's, that's where it got quite serious for me. And, uh, you know, and during my summer months, I'd go back to my, my track and field. So, uh, you know, that, they were the two big sports for me. And then when you left school, you you actually started your super rugby career with Otago and then went to the Hurricanes and then finally back to your home team, uh, the Auckland Blues. How, talk us through how that, how that happened. Yeah, so I guess I, I played my first uh, super rugby game uh, my last year at school, I was, I was 18, you know, so I was, I was drafted into the Highlanders. There were a few injuries in the Highlander team, and um, yep, they called me up from school to, to go down and, and play super rugby. So I did that, played, uh, you know, in the weekends, and uh, I'd come back to school during the week. So, wow. you know, that was a pretty, pretty amazing time, you know, uh, going through that. Um, following that year, I had uh, my first full year of Super Rugby, and that was uh, uh, with the Hurricanes. And at the time, you, you, there was a draft system, so uh, each province—Blues, uh, Hurricanes, Crusaders, Chiefs, Highlanders—could protect 24 players. And if you weren't in that 24, the other other provinces could could call on you. 
Oh, okay. So I, I was in a, uh, I was in a, in a, you know, in a group of wingers in Auckland. Um, you know, Joely Vendiri, uh, Jonah Lomu, and Brian Lima. You know, so they were the three protected wingers. <laughs> so I went into a draft system, and, and I was picked up by the Hurricanes. So I joined, you know, Taunumanga and Christian Cullen down in uh, down in, in, in Wellington for my first full year of Super Rugby. The following year, I came back to the Blues, which was my hometown. Wow. Dougie, we'll collect all those names that you just dropped there. <laughs> we'll, we'll tidy that up. <laughs> it was a, it was a special time, I must say, for me. Uh, you know, for you know, an eighteen-year-old kid, you know, watching these guys on telly one day, and then you know, turning up at training with them the next day. Yeah. Um, and then you know, following on from that, you know, I, I was called into the All Blacks. You know, a, a couple of years after. Um, and you know, I came into a group of all black wingers. You know, for me, uh, Tanu Munga, Jeff Wilson, Jonah Lomu, and me. You know, so yeah. you can only imagine how wide my eyes were turning up at training with, with that group. But it was some, uh, you know, some some training field, some training ground, and, you know, developed my game a huge amount just being around the guys. It was a golden era for Nachos. <laughs> New Zealand rugby for but for rugby I think in general uh, all the eyes on this side of the world were uh, were looking at what you were doing down down there um, especially in my house anyway and look you went on to, to play 62 tests for the All Blacks uh, scoring 49 tries and are still currently the top ever try scorer for the All Blacks now Trimby and I were discussing this earlier on and the, the people behind you are likes of Colin Rocococo Sev, uh, Sevilla Wilson Lomu Ioni um, Sevilla is the closest at the moment and there were rumours that you were trying to, to get him to sign for Munster um, a couple of years ago <laughs> is this your tactic now that when anyone, <laughs> anyone gets close to your record you just try and sign them or make them disappear in some way yeah and look, look it's one of the great things about uh, New Zealand rugby but also Irish rugby is that in order to be eligible to play for the All Blacks you have to be playing in the country so uh, the fact is, when I left New Zealand, I, I, I said I closed the door on, on my All Black career. And, um, you know, to date, uh, you know, 46 seems to be the stumbling block. Christian Cullen got to 46. Joe Rocasocco got to 46. Julian Sevier got to 46. And Julian signed for uh, Toulon. So in effect, um, unless he decides to go back and have a go at the All Blacks, he can't get any more tries for the All Blacks. So um, at the time, you couldn't take a smile off my face. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, uh, you know, th- these things are made to be broken. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of guys here. Enrico Ioani as an All Black is, is scoring tries for fun. Bowden Barrett, the same. So, look, I'll, I'll, I'll enjoy enjoy it while I can. But um, You're safe enough, uh, you're safe enough for a couple of years, I think, man. And then... You got to start looking at monster signing a few of these guys then in the next two or three years to take the pressure off. Um, but yeah, so you, you you came to Monster. You had a you know massive success with the club here, winning winning the Heineken Cup in two thousand and eight, and and becoming a, a huge uh, part of the squad and a huge part of the of the Monster uh, culture. But you know, I think we've been very lucky within the club to to have kept yourself on. You've moved into the your current role as the head of commercial and and marketing. Could you take uh, take us through what what exactly you're doing there? Yeah, and I, I guess you know that that transition piece from uh, from sport to to the other side um, that was, was was an interesting time, and it is for 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 all of us. Um, but uh, you know. Luckily enough, I, I had such a wonderful experience here with uh, with with the rugby and and in Ireland that um, you know we decided to stay on. My uh, my family, uh, my young ones were in school, and uh, you know at the time we, we were looking at opportunities in Ireland. Um, so you know through that journey, I, I quickly found out I, I I had I had to re-educate. You know, so it was it was a long time since I'd been at university. And I, I went back to the University of Cork and uh, did my MBA. Uh, and through that process, I, I had exposure to much the rugby to the, to the business side of of, um, of sport. And uh, you know, I, I slowly worked my way you know, through uh, different positions in Munster to to now be the, the head of commercial and marketing. So 
Um, look, it's, it's been a, a, a great journey. Um, I've, I've picked up a, a huge amount of skills along the way. And, uh, you know, I reflect on you know, a lot of the things I picked up as a rugby player. And it's often something I channel to our, our young players, our, our academy, our sub-academy, even our, our young professionals, is that there, there are so many skills that we, we pick up as, as rugby players, being in team environments. Um, leadership, getting the best out of each other, um, goal setting, operating under pressure, all these types of things which are transferable into the business world. And I guess uh, what the NBA gave me was the, was the language, you know, to, to communicate what I knew so well in, in, a, in a team environment and transfer that into a business environment. So uh, I guess as, as we spoke about earlier, you know, my role as, as, as captain of Monster Rugby, um, you know, uh, involved you know, strategy, game, formulation, um, and I guess that's where I've moved into with Monster Rugby um, in, in, in planning the future direction of the club. And I think, you know, we're quite clear in where we need to go over the next three years, and, and uh, you know, we want to be the best club in the world, you know. So myself, along with the executive team, uh, spending a lot of our time bringing that to life. Uh, no, that's not only on pitch, although that's a big part of it. You know, we want to be the best club uh, for our people, for our families, for our communities, for our businesses. And uh, you know, that's the thrust of, of a lot of the work that I'm doing at the moment as much to rugby. Well, well, look, we're very lucky to have you down there, man. And um, I've been fortunate enough to go on a few of these trips to you, uh, with you to New York and London, where you've been... Uh, Trying to trying to promote Monster and the Monster brand to to fans over there. So, if uh, if you, maybe Las Vegas could be a good spot for one, Dubai maybe, Sydney. I love Australia this time of year. Dougie, I'd be happy to promote Monster rugby as well. <laughs> <laughs> Baz, Baz and Andrew would love to come, man. Yep. <laughs> and it, 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 does, it, it doesn't stop amazing me, you know. Uh, you know the, the monster people that are, that are across spread across the globe, doing fantastic things in, the, in their own right, and and I guess a big part of my job is is communicating and reaching out to these people because, um, as as I'm sure you all know, when you're away from home, you know you're more interested and you want to be more involved and be, be brought closer. So, you know, a lot of my my role is is trying to tie this red ribbon around our our diaspora, our people. And pull it tighter and tighter because there's so many good people, uh, you know, supporting Munster from afar. Yeah, well, look, you said it, ma'am. We're right behind you. And, and look, I think we're witnessing that across, not just from Munster, but all the other provinces and then into Irish rugby uh, firsthand at the moment. And uh, none more so than defeating the All Blacks twice in the last two years. Uh, what are they saying back home about about Irish rugby now? Do you know? Would you be listening to anyone back home? And do they do they know who we are now? Oh, look, yeah, well, well and truly, there's, uh, there's no question about that, um, and, and rightly so. I think I think world rugby has sort of looked at what we're doing here, and we've got so much right, you know. And, and obviously, that that's led by by Joe and the and the national team. Um, but uh, I think the, the, the quality of player and the development that's going into our players at the moment, we, we're starting to see, you know, and, and the world is starting to look at. So uh, it's great that we're getting the recognition we deserve, but I guess with that come uh, a, a different set of uh, circumstances and pressures. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm quite confident that we'll be able to lead, you know, from the front. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's the challenge for, for Irish rugby at, at this stage is to, is to continue to push on. And um, you know, I think that we're making a, a good stab at this so far this year with the, with the Heineken Cup. Uh, you know, three, well, all the four provinces playing in, in, in quarterfinals, which uh, is, is exactly where we need to be playing to uh, advance rugby. And you must have got a little bit of stick for uh, the time the camera flashed to you in Chicago Yourself and Paulie were were celebrating uh, <laughs> Ireland beating the All Blacks that time. Do you get a bit of stick from uh, from everyone at home for that? Oh uh, yeah, a small bit. Yeah, uh, listen, um, 
It's harder. Same again, this 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 uh, past match in, in Dublin, you know, you, you're, saying, you're admiring, you're saying, Bowden, oh, what a great kick, well done, Bowden. And then you oh, Peter, Marty, oh, that's fantastic, <laughs> you know, so you're sort of, yeah, you're you get caught. Side to side and, you know, I've got great mates in both teams now, you know, so look, it's, it's a unique situation and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm privileged to be a, be a part of both of them. Well, we're lucky to have you, man. So, look, we'll leave it to it. We'll, uh, we've given you enough time. Hopefully the kids have gotten off to bed and, and you can just put your feet up for the, for the evening. Uh, so, look, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Dougie. Thanks a million for coming on and we'll see you soon. Thanks, Dougie. Likewise, gents. It's been a pleasure. Thanks again. Cheers, mate. See you, guys. You're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Right, and you're very welcome back to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby, Rugby Roundup, where we're going to be looking at the Champions Cup quarterfinals in March, March 29th, 30th, 31st, I think. Um, first up, we'll look at Saracens versus Glasgow's, uh, Glasgow Warriors, sorry, at Allianz Park. Um, a repeat of last weekend's game, obviously. Did you watch the game? No. It was, uh, it was a cracker. <laughs> You missed it, Robertshire. <laughs> play, trying to be cultured. Uh, it was uh, what was what was the score? It was pretty high score. I can't remember exactly what it was, but um, very exciting anyway. Intense stuff. Uh, Glasgow kind of showing how you can break Saracens down. Um, they were in it for long periods, weren't they? Yeah, and they, they just were got blown they away. It. Yeah, um, they they throw the ball around so well. You know, they've got just that ability to get around teams, and and they show that. Saracens are such a big side that you can, if you can spread them and, and stretch them, that they're, they're, they are possible to break down. But you've got to live with them physically. And Glasgow didn't really live with them at all. They were just like the players they have. The Vanapolos, Edoje, Cruz, Berger, Barrett, just these lumps that are just impossible to stop. Just running amok. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and then that pitch is so fast as well it's yeah. kind of hard to slow them down there's no <laughs> muck actually whatsoever um, so look yeah Saracens they're, they're, they're for me you know, I mean it's mad that there's six English teams got dumped out of it this weekend um, they're the only English team left in it but you know they're pretty they're pretty strong I wonder will the English teams turn around and say oh we'd like to rearrange the tournament again <laughs> <laughs> We've we've decided the current format isn't suitable yeah, for us anymore. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, it smells like that, doesn't it? A little yeah. bit. Yeah, we're all a bit smug over here, like like there's yeah. three Irish teams. Change it to a year or two. We'll be back where it was again. Play with one hand tied behind her back. Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, I know. Look, uh, it it is pretty uh, pretty strange seeing those stats when you think. Especially two Scottish teams as well, three yeah. Irish teams. It's it's phenomenal and all very different teams. Um, Racing ninety two will be up against Toulouse in La Defense Arena. La Defense. La Defense. <laughs> La Defense. <laughs> Jesus. Um, we'll just let them at it, isn't it? That's the way I look at that fixture. Yeah. Yeah, I think Toulouse probably have a better chance than any of the four um, away. Fixtures are Glasgow, Toulouse, Ulster, Munster. Toulouse have a better chance of anybody yeah. being racing in Paris. Yeah, Clanetley put it up to them again at the weekend. Mm. Um, but then got blown away. They kind of did, but they were still in it. Like uh, They missed a kick with about after about 65 minutes that would have put them a point back up. And then they, they and again, scored another try after that. And I just think they were a bit unlucky with a few decisions. And they didn't manage to stop Nakawara or... Uh, Vakatawa or Vakawaro <laughs> as you like to call them <laughs> collectively call them Vakatawa Vakatawa for too long <laughs> um, they, uh, they're just unbelievable the two of them they, they, they do they do some stupid things but they're in, impossible to stop um, if you do stop them that's for me that's well, how racing that's yeah. the only way you're going to beat them that was your theory last week with Ulster as well actually it's the fact of the matter, Russell is obviously a class player, but he's class because he's playing behind unbelievable, uh, unbelievable pack of forwards and yeah. guys like that that are just throwing offloads, throwing ridiculous offloads and decent wingers. But for me, you stop the two of them and you beat Racing. Uh, Toulouse, yeah, they probably have the best chance of winning, you're right. Toulouse, 
were up to no good at the weekend. They were, weren't they? They were being rascals. Yeah. They knew exactly what they were up to. <laughs> Play well, get the win, but that'll do. Yeah. We don't want to go to the RDS. No. We don't want to go to Dublin. No. Go across the road, like. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure Paris is just up there. Come on, we'll go there instead. <laughs> only, they, only they could do that. They yeah. nearly got their pants pulled down. Yeah. Bath could have beat them in the they end. could have, yeah. They probably wouldn't have, though. Um, Actually, that might not. Uh, would that have even mattered? I don't know. Yeah. It's irrelevant now. Yeah. Word of the day. Uh, Leinster versus Ulster, obviously going to be a huge one. Uh, someone pointed out to me that that is happening <laughs> the same weekend as the Brexit. Yeah. Uh, as Brexit is going to happen. As the so, Brexit. As the Brexit. The, the Brexit, Brexit. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, what is it going to be like when Ulster come down to Dublin? Will they be, will they be allowed back in? We'll be locked home? out. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I'm, I'm like, that's my house back there. That. You have to let me back you in. You left. <laughs> yeah. ah, you went down there. So I have a theory. Right. Um, uh, all the Ulster fans are going to go down to Dublin that weekend. And then they'll be on their way back up. And they'll be like, no, no, no. Bre- have you not heard of, Bre- heard of Brexit? Yeah. <laughs> it's been the talk of the town for the last few years. And then um, that's the Sunday, I think. And then the following day is April Fool's. And then Theresa May goes, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Only mess and go on, you're grand. <laughs> what are the chances that it would fall that weekend? Like, that's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, well, look, it'll add, add to the banter, I'm sure. God, the jokes that will be cracked would be horrendous. To be honest, oh. as bad as that. Yeah, uh, I think the first once or twice, it'll be funny, it'll be fine. After that, you'll be going, oh, Dad, shut up with your jokes. Stop repeating your jokes, Dad. Our friend Mark Robson will be having a ball on the television. You'll love that, won't he? he? You're up against it now, Robbo. You've got to come out with some good ones. (laughs) We know you're listening. (laughs) We know you are. I haven't heard from him. I wonder if we slagged him. Did he? Oh, we love you, man. He hasn't texted me. He texted me. Well, look, just stop being so insecure, will you? Yeah. (laughs) And finally, uh, Edinburgh versus Munster at Murrayfield. Uh, my first thoughts on this were uh, if Edinburgh would open the whole of Murrayfield because their attendance from the crowds are pretty garbage. Um, so if they do, Munster will just take over the place. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so, yeah. Which will make it almost like a home quarter final because Munster people love going to Edinburgh. It's some crack over there as well. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They'll have a laugh. Um, Although they'll um, go for four days, like yeah, like, but they'll all be at the international Six Nations and they'll be strapped for cash. They'll yeah, it's, it's one or the other. They'll hold out now, <laughs> absolutely. Um, or the, yeah, where's the um, Scottish one is away this way? Yeah, this way. Yeah, the, um, uh, um, statistically, seventy-five percent of Heineken quarterfinals are won at home. So twenty-five percent, so basically one quarterfinal. Mm. That. For me, that's Ulster in Leinster. <laughs> <laughs> What's so funny? Well saved. What's so funny? Well saved. For me, that's Monster in Edinburgh. Uh, I think they've got to be happy enough with that. They won't say they're going to be delighted because they'll be playing the whole, ah, look, they're class. Yeah, yeah, well. yeah. But, you know, Edinburgh had arguably the easiest trip to the quarterfinals out of any team. Uh, the teams they're up against, Montpellier, Toulon and Newcastle, all struggling in their domestic leagues and weren't really challenged hugely. Uh, they played some good rugby, but... Ed- Edinburgh, ha- they have been brilliant, to be fair. But brilliant is not the same as going to Dublin to play at Leinster or London to play Saracens or La Défense. Yeah, La Défense. <laughs> going to Edinburgh is... Still a very tough fixture, yeah. But just relatively, the language kind of lets us down because if you're going to say that's the easiest quarterfinal, yeah, then that's not that. It is like that's the fact. It is, yeah, it is. That's but it just be it's at still it. tricky. Ah, look here. Ah, look. Ah, look. That's a great response. That's <laughs> yeah. all we're after. Yeah. Well, I watched them at the weekend and I thought they were grand. They play this very deep style of rugby where they pass the ball sometimes like 40 yards behind the it's ruck. It's quite a French style that, isn't it? Yeah. It, it's, I would, I'd love to play against that because just kind of come up hard and don't let them go around you. <laughs> what, are you what are you looking at? <laughs> <laughs> You're the one that always says coming hard, right? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, just, I think with Monster, the way they attack teams in defence and put them under pressure, yeah. they put that skill set <laughs> under pressure. Um 
And yeah, did you see at the weekend actually there was a hilarious moment in the game where uh, Bismarck Duplessis for Montpellier yeah. was trying to get the ball back. Where's the ball boy? <laughs> or the physio or something. He was the it? doctor, medic, yeah. or a medic is. Yeah. Uh, your man, I'd say, I was just looking at his, I'd say his heart was racing. Oh, he filled his moment. trunks, yeah. that fella. <laughs> That's the last fella you want to start a fight with. He like put his foot on the ball and then <laughs> yeah. kind of dragged his back. Was like he being, being a smart arse, like, was he? Oh yeah, like you do to a child who's trying yeah. to kick a soccer <laughs> yeah. ball. Go, yeah, yeah. go kick it. You just pull it back yeah. with your foot. Duplessis going, I'm not having this. Yeah. Uh, and then he, he kind of apologised after. Oh, did he? Right. Yeah, fair, fair enough. enough. So he's now a nice guy again, but for a split second he was an asshole. <laughs> that was quite entertaining. Probably the best part of the game, if I'm honest. Yeah. Very little else going on. Uh, but quickly we move on and look at the Irish side. They're off to Portugal for Six Nations training camp at night, I think. Uh, 38-man squad announced last Wednesday. Jack Carty, Tom Farrell, Quill and Blade all in there. Uh, any surprise omissions for you? Um, obviously, Tom Farrell's got in ahead of Stuart McCluskey. Um, who's the nine? Burn Burn wasn't didn't get in, which I thought was uh, interesting. I oh yeah, and behind um, Jack Hardy, yeah, yeah. Um, which was yeah, interesting decision. But have you ever Cardi's, been to one of Cardi's been playing so well though. Yeah, exactly. He did try a match winning try for Connacht again. Yeah. Big shout out to Connacht actually yesterday again. We almost forgot about them. A uh, big win over in Bordeaux, which gives them a quarter final against Sale. Away to Sale, so again, huge performance for Connacht. Um, but back to Ireland. Have you ever been on one of those pre Six Nations weeks away? No. Yeah. No. They used to do it back in the day. They <coughs> used to do whenever um, there was a rotation in round the end of pros in round Christmas time. We went to Portugal a couple of Christmases. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> for like five days or something with a, a, quite a small squad but that was a bit it, we never did that yeah. the, I used to hate this pre-Six Nations training week because there's no let up it's just it's really Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday I was talking to Connor and Murray last night and he said they they'd probably take it easy on them oh. go over there and it'll be obviously there'll be a lot of sore bodies after this weekend and bit of golf bit of golf bit of sun yeah brilliant that's what he was letting letting on so um that sounds pretty tasty obviously they're not gonna they're gonna train harder towards the end of the week they do have england in two weeks um <coughs> and also england are in portugal as well which would be yeah. interesting imagine yeah. they came across them in albafera <laughs> on the beach what do, you mean, what do you mean you've double booked? <laughs> We're here. <laughs> getting, getting the same rental cars down and the same buses down. Um, Eddie Jones came out with something yesterday. said, uh, Johnny Sexton has the best, the, has the bat phone to the referee when he talks. I haven't heard that expression uh, before. The bat phone? Yeah. Like bat, Batman. Oh, the bat phone. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. Uh, he said the referee listens when Johnny Sexton talks to him on the bat phone. Apparently he's got a bat phone. Uh, that's because of his status in the game. You earn that, like Richie McCaw did. That's just him giving so, a bit of hot air again, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and that's him just right at the end. He's, uh, he's giving them a hard time, and then he's gone, look. And he's just balanced it up. Yeah. But, well, you earn that, just like Richie McCaw. Okay, so he could have left. It's not that bad, then. He could have left it. No, he just saved it at the end. He thought at the, at the start, oh, it's a wee bit... I'm antagonising them a little bit here. Mm. Just balance it up a bit. He got booed at Wasps today. Did he? Yeah. They put a picture <laughs> of him up on the screen. They went, boo. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was interesting. Why do you think that is? <sighs> don't know. Boo. Yeah. Harsh enough. I love, a, I love a boo. Yeah. Boos yeah. are great. It's old school. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My dad's great for a boo. Actually, yeah. Uh, Mike Haley said yesterday that his mother was at the game for the first time ever. She came to a Munster match and she she watched the game, or she spent the last twenty minutes of the game in the jacks, <laughs> just sitting on the jacks, uh, biting her nails. She's she crying or something. <laughs> I meant that she was uh, nervous. She was nervous. Uh, I thought that was interesting. Did your parents ever do anything and <laughs> weird at games? <laughs> I was just picturing my dad booing. He used to boo a lot. <laughs> oh, <God. sighs> Sorry, Mike Haley. <laughs> uh, okay, we'll move on. No, my mum uh, left the game one time in a huff. 
because I was on the bench and uh, we were hammering Italy, 40 nil or something. Yeah. 75 minutes gone and I still I was the last man not to get taken off the bench <laughs> my mum left the stadium in a huff <laughs> she's like he's not doing she's that like, to my Andrew <laughs> she'd be too embarrassed yeah. if you came on after 79 <laughs> yeah, to bring yeah. you on oh that's my son oh. he's not my son was there <laughs> anything worse than that when you're brought on with 20 seconds to go <laughs> yeah. and you look up into the stand and your parents are there No, and they've disappeared they've gone, <laughs> they've gone. <laughs> <laughs> you both on the jack <laughs> <laughs> go to give him a wave and you're like what? <laughs> 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 uh, brilliant uh, now we've moved uh, we're moving on to vote on our Guinness Made of More player of the weekend and here were your nominees Tygburn of Monster another man of the match Ulster's Ian Henderson another man of the match the two of those should, should play together sometimes shouldn't they <laughs> that's a good idea um, who'd get the man of the match then Simon Zebo, who scored two Bernard tries for Racing uh, against Scarlets, or Leinster's Gary Ringrose. Well, thank you for all your votes and comments. The landslide winner is Tyg Byrne. Is that his first? That his first. Since we started in Polly's teeth, yeah. Set of POC's tees. <laughs> Where are flags tonight? <clears throat> Flags. Have we had our flags confiscated? Damn it, already. The this last is, log. That, that won't be enough. We're still going to Japan. Yeah, we are. <laughs> you can take our <laughs> flags. Take our flags. <laughs> but we're still going to Japan. We've seen how Leinster responded to that. You Hi. can't take yeah. our flags. Yeah. How uh, flaky do they think we are? Oh, no flags. <laughs> oh, well, I'm not going to Japan. <laughs> uh, we also put out a shout for Twitter questions using the hashtag AskHOR. And here are some of your best ones. Um, Kieran Duncan asks if you were president slash dictator of a small island nation what crazy dictator stuff would you do? Um. My brother runs a, a weird global village tours it's called it's a what's the word I'm trying to say travel company for obscure destinations around the world and he goes to places like North Korea, Chernobyl, really? uh, Cuba, uh, Iraq, Iran, places like that. And the one he went to recently was a place called Turkmenistan, which is yeah. over there <laughs> somewhere. And uh, he told me a brilliant story that this, there was a dictator in Turkmenistan called Turkmenbashi, who used to just name everything after himself. Uh, he's dead now, but he's, he will be the eternal leader. There'll never be another president. He's just the leader. But he called bread Turkmenbashi. He calls it money Turkmenbashi. He calls shoes Turkmenbashi. Everything is called Turkmenbashi. Is this true? Is this true. Oh, no, actually, he calls his mother. He calls his cigarettes after his mother for some reason or bread or something like that after his mother. This is a true story. It sounds like um, the, the dictator was Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah. Where he's run the 100 metres and he's run it with a gun. He's like shooting all the guys, <laughs> all the guys around him. That's definitely where he got the idea for yeah. it. Yeah, look this up, man. It's incredible. There's, it so, a, there's a national holiday to, war, to a melon <clears throat> over there as well. To a melon. favourite fruit, yeah. It's a legend. Just have, yeah, look him up. Have not higher profile? Haven't I heard of this guy? You should get, if, get Duncan there, the... the Alapaca involved if you <laughs> ever become a dictator. You could be a, become a dictator of that island with Simon Gagan. <laughs> <laughs> dictator in Rattlin. Rattlin Island, yeah. That would be nowhere near as glamorous as, we should do, as you'd imagine. We should do an outside broadcast on that island. I'd love to do that. Um, so I hope that answers your question, Dun <laughs> Kieran Duncan. How funny is that? Uh, Matthew McCarthy, uh, <coughs> a best 15 where the forwards are made up of backs and the backs are made up of forwards, like Furlong at 10 and Chris Farrell at number 8. That's a good question. Um, okay. Scott um, Gibbs has been obviously a good prop. He's enormous. Mm -hmm. um, I think Barrett for Saracens be a good hooker. He's kind of got a face of a hooker. I don't know why. Burn, Barrett. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Who <laughs> um, else you got, any? Oh, I'm, I'm really concerned that we're going to limp in to finish this. Yeah. Like, what forwards would make good backs? That would be um, Sean Cronin would be like a winger. Sean Cronin or someone like Jordy Murphy. or um, Nakawara would be a good oh, yes. 15 or something like that. Anywhere, really. Yeah. 
Yeah. Leave it there, will we? We are limping. We limped. <laughs> we limped <laughs> and we yeah. died. Yeah. Um, we also had a great response to our pop star rugby 15 last weekend, where a few of the best uh, additions people made Josh Holm from Queens of Stone Age, Peter Andre as the next Gavin Henson. Loved that. Nice, yeah. Yeah, very <clears> like <throat> it. Um, uh, Justin Bieber of and Frank Black and Robbie Henshaw because of his trad roots as well. But uh, that's about it for us uh, this week. Thank you so much for all your comments, questions, for listening and for watching on YouTube. If you are jo enjoying the show, please do remember to subscribe and leave a rating or a comment. We really appreciate the feedback. I keep getting loads of feedback, by the way. Non-stop. Like in person. Oh, I saw, um, I was on the train the other day and this guy turned to me and he goes, takes his earphones out and he goes, I was just listening to you. No. <laughs> yeah. That's my dream yeah. for that to happen. I was so proud of myself. Wow. Yeah. Did you say it was good? No, I didn't like it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we really appreciate any of your, uh, your comments or your recommendations. So keep those funny questions coming in. Uh, big thank you to everyone that was involved in making the show this week. This has been Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe together with Guinness. Party on, Trimby. Party on, Baz. You were listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe together with Guinness. Drink responsibly. Visit drinkaware.ie for the facts.